I got a story, real life story, like part of my part of my backstory. Uh, from 1979 to 1981, uh, my family and I lived in Southern California, in Los Angeles, an area known as the South Bay. Anyone know where the South Bay is? Um, if you looked up South Bay, um, it's this area that is very diverse. So uh, yeah, it has um, El Segundo, and it has it has a lot of songs that are mentioned in hip hop songs. Okay, El Segundo left my wallet. El Segundo, Inglewood. Uh, uh, Inglewood with an I, not Colorado's Inglewood with an E. It's I. Um, right on the outskirts of the South Bay is Compton. Down here is Long Beach. So, you know, like I, that's where I kind of grew up during the younger years and then moved back there for the high school years. Uh, we lived in Redondo Beach. We lived in Torrance in that three-year stretch. Um, I will say, thankfully, this is where I became a Raiders fan in this time. Living in Southern California, the Raiders were still in Oakland at the time, but they were still the home team, um, ish. So there's a town, Gardena. It's it's the smiley face town that I have there on the the upper side, and Gardena was kind of a rough town, especially in the in the early '80s. Uh, it was near other rough towns like Carson and Harbor City and Wilmington, um, and my dad was in the ministry, and the Lord had, had called he and my mom to befriend a couple named Charlie and Tony Lavelle. Tony with an I, I always imagine, I don't know that she did this, but T-O-N-I, I imagine like a heart on the, on the end of the I, you know. I think Tony Braxton did that back in the day in, I don't know, 80s. Um, and the Lavelles owned an appliance store in Gardena. And the Lord, this was, Charlie was one of those guys that the Lord just put on my dad's heart and said, you are to witness to him. You are to not give up on him. You are to be tenacious with him. You are to go to him. You are to disciple him. You are not to grow weary, stay the course, okay? And so my dad would go into Gardena, kind of a rough part of town. And... We're not, uh, well, I'll back up. So before my dad would, when he knew he was going in to, to spend time with Charlie, there's something he would bring with him that would kind of serve as a form of protection, if you will. And so when my dad would pull up in front of the store, so the appliance store was on a very busy street, and to one side there were bars, to the other side there were liquor stores, and there were people just hanging out in front of the bars and liquor stores in every store. And a little bit intimidating. The only thing my dad had going for him at the time is that for some ungodly reason, he, he had a jerry curl going on then. And so he had this, like, fro. And I'm like, well, that's good. At least, you know, at least he kind of somewhat blended in back in the day. But when you look at pictures now, they, it was just, just horrible. Don't do that. That's never the Lord. Um, jerry curls. So my dad would bring something with him. And when he would, would pull up, he had a clerical collar that he would put on. We're not Catholic. We've never been Catholic. But my dad would put the clerical collar on. And then when he would get out of the car, he would see the people. He would greet them. Good morning. How are you, sir? God bless you today. Everyone who was out there that was within sight, 
he would see them, he would greet them, he would bless them, and living in Southern California, if you live there long enough, you even if you don't speak Spanish, you're going to learn certain words. A lot of them are appropriate words that you can say in church. Um, and so my dad learned some of those, and, and so he knew just from being there on a continuous basis, he would hear them say, don't touch the Padre's car. Leave the Padre's car alone. Leave Padre alone. And that was the very reason that my dad wore that collar. Because see, like spirit-filled non-denominational Christians, we don't have a clothing item that identifies us as, as, a, as a man or woman of God. Like we can't put on an ascot and be like, oh, that's, that's a you know, woman of God. It's like, no, she has horrible fashion sense. No one should wear an ascot, okay? So, like, we don't have, like, a certain hat. It's like, oh, the guy's a pastor. Look at that hat. He's a pastor. No, with the clerical collar, it works. It was a tough place. It was a tough mission field. It wasn't my dad's calling. It was the Lord's calling. And God provided protection and favor and strategies and opportunities. If his car had been messed with, that doesn't mean God would have been any less faithful. God would have used it somehow. If my dad would have been messed with, that wouldn't have meant that God would have been any less faithful. God would have used it. Our God is faithful. But when you know it's God's plan, you know that you're called to something, then you can proceed and you can proceed with additional dialogue with the next questions going, that's great, Lord, what's next? That's great, Lord, what else? It makes all the difference in the world when it's God's plan. It makes all the difference in the world when our plans are in alignment with God's plans and not the other way around. It makes all the difference in the world when we make relationships and alliances that are directed by the Holy Spirit. There's a passage that most of us love. Most of us love Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of us know it. We love it. It's a great passage of scripture. But we don't always read the whole chapter. We don't always read the bookends to those verses that we love so much. We're very selective with what we choose to see and recognize as being from God sometimes. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, for good, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Do you ever wonder what the then is there for? Like why there's a then there? We'll come back to that. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Great passage, right? We know that, right? I know the, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Oh, I love it, Lord. Thank you. But if we back up one verse, we see something, one verse, to verse 10, we see something very key to the story. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years 
70, not 17, 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place where I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. If we read even earlier in that, that wonderful chapter, we see the Lord, and I'm paraphrasing, saying, get comfortable. Get comfortable. Make friends. Be a friend of this city. You're going to be here a while. And then saying to his church, to his people, you're going to be here 70 years. But, but hey, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. You don't know the plans I have for you, but I know the plans I have for you, and they're for good, and they're for a purpose. The reason that there's a then there when it says, then you'll call upon me and I'll hear you. You'll seek me and you'll find me. It's because there's going to be a stretch when you're going to feel, Lord, can you not hear me at all? Lord, do you not see me at all? Lord. But we're selective. We're selective. And what we insert here is my plan, not God's plan. I know the plans that Mark has for Mark that the Lord will bless, says Mark. Uh, like we've, we've shifted. Uh, you can turn in your Bibles or your Bible app to Isaiah 30, and then I'm just going to say this. I don't know how much ground we're going to cover, but Isaiah 30 is a remarkable chapter. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Actually, I'm going to have kind of parallel. I'm going to have side-by-side the ESV and the New Living together um, uh, because it just, it's a powerful chapter that talks about God's plans are not God's plans. Our ways, our will, and God's. Even down to relationships. God has really specific thoughts. And God's ways are always better. When I graduated from Oral Roberts University, Christian College in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, I graduated from Christian College, but I was still immature. There were still things that I hadn't surrendered to the Lord. There were still things that I wanted to be my way. There were still things that I was just childish in. And it's not like I was like a quick graduate. I was in college for six years because I played football before transferring to ORU. Six years, and, and I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. Like, that's just for your bachelor's degree. And when I graduated, I remember calling out to the Lord, going, God, I, I want my wife. Where's my wife? Like, where is she, Lord? Just, I, I want to be a husband, and I want to be a father, and that's, that's my heart. Lord, where's my wife? And the Lord responded as clear as can be. He said, you don't deserve her. Grow up. Some people would say, well, God would never say that. Wrong. That's exactly what he said. You don't deserve her. Grow up. And I immediately knew what he was talking about. Because, see, I, I was still messing around. I still didn't embrace purity as 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 being a command of the Lord, and and I, I still, I still needed to grow up. I still wasn't totally seeking the Lord, but I started. Soon thereafter, I got a, um, I got a job offer to come to Colorado, 
and that's what brought me to Colorado. And I moved out here in September, and at the end of September, beginning of October, I met an amazing girl named Kara Johnston. Now you know her as Kara Harper. And we we fell in love. We didn't date for a long time because we, long story, but we were in a play together, and we had kind of, I was telling this story last night, we, we, uh, John and Lainey, we had dinner with them, and we were telling them this story, but we were in a Christmas play together, and we had to give our words, like, you wouldn't get into a relationship in the midst of the Christmas play, so then you wouldn't screw up the play, because then, you know, you break up, and you're like, I'm out of here, I'm not going to be in the same play with her, and and so we committed to that, so we fell in love, wrote out our wedding list, and formed our family, we'd married the one before we ever had a date. And I promise you, when I knew she was the one, I had a I had a sit down with her, and I and I I'm telling you the truth. This is how I did it. I said, okay, we need to have a serious talk, and I'm letting you know right now. Okay, these are things we will not do. We we will not. We can kiss, but we will not make out. We will never lay down together. I don't care if we're watching a movie. There will be no laying down together. There will be no snuggling, not until after we're married. We will not go past first base. And for your information, first base is kissing. Second base is this. Third base is this. A home run is this, clearly. And we will not ground any base except for kissing. And I, and I, I spelled it out. Like, I went into detail what the bases were, I swear. I said, you have no business kissing my ear or my neck, and I have no business kissing your ear or your neck, because kissing the ear and neck leads to second and third base. And, and I, I laid it all out there. And then I said this. If I can't do this, then you need to run for the hills because I'm not the man that God has called for you. If I, if I love myself more than I love God, or if I ever love you more than I love God, you need to run for the hills because don't marry me. I'm telling you right now, this is what we will not do. This is what I will not do, and I'm letting you know if you do these things, I really wasn't worried about her doing the things. That was kind of speaking to me. But I'm like, and if you did those things, I'm running for the hills. You're not the one for me. And then I said, I was, I was childish and I was immature. And, and I missed out on, on some of the goodness of God. And, and I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to grow in her. And he told me, grow up. God told me I didn't deserve her. And when I found her, and he's like, that's her. What are you going to do? Are you going to be faithful to me? Are you going to be faithful in what I've given you? And that's the truth. It was a very weird thing. I'd never had a conversation like that before. It was very weird. She was so uncomfortable. You guys, do we want our way or do we want God to have his way? Do we want to know God's plans for our lives or do we just want God to bless our plans? What are the things that we should be praying about and hearing from God about? Who to marry? That, that's an obvious one. What about who to date? What about like what about like brotherhood? Like who to like be close to? Sisterhood, who to be close to? Who who to accept as, as counsel? We all need wise counsel in our lives. We all need people to speak into our lives that, that are a voice of wise counsel. Who are the people that we let into our lives as wise counsel that we listen to? I have wise counsel. 
I have men in this room, and when they say something, I'm like, son of a gun. Yep. I don't like it, but absolutely, absolutely. Do we pray and ask the Lord, what church should we call home? We should. We shouldn't be choosing a church, because you know what happens if we, cho- if we choose a church? The minute that the pastor offends you, you can do what? I can just choose to leave. It's my choice. America, my choice. No. The Bible tells us that, that God calls the orphans a family. It says he gathers. The word ecclesia, ecclesia, that we know for church, it means the gathering. He gathers us together. We are his body. Choosing where you call home, your church home, be asking after asking Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Again, this is the beauty of it being fresh on my mind because it was last night. John said something about you know when he encourages people you know that he's speaking into their lives. He always tells them, um, choose a church that makes you uncomfortable, where you have peace. But choose a place where you're uncomfortable. Don't choose a place you're comfortable. You're never going to grow in the place you're comfortable. Choose a place where you're uncomfortable, but where you have using that. The first time I credit you. The second time I kind of paraphrase and then the third time it's mine. First time third time I use it, it's mine completely. So this is your one, buddy. All right. Isaiah 30. Uh, like I said, I'm reading from the New Living. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children? The ESV starts like this and says, ah, stubborn children declares the Lord. And as I'm reading, please don't think of stubborn children often, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about stubborn children, Jews. We're not talking about stubborn children, nine-year-olds. There's a learning that we go through where we need to make a lot of mistakes so we can learn. But... He's speaking to his, his people. He's speaking to those adult children. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit. Thus piling up your sins, one on top of the other. For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. Insert whatever to you you're putting your trust in here in place of Egypt and Pharaoh. We are to trust foremost in our God. Hey, I'm, I'm thankful for being a capable guy. I'm thankful for being you know, a strong guy and being able to to, to bear a heavy load. But what happens when that's taken from me? What happens when I grow older? What happens if I, if I get injured? What happens if I lose my job? Then where's my confidence? Then where's my faith? Am I shaken? Am I despondent? What about God's plan then? Then that's when I blame and accuse God, going, Lord, what's your plan? He's like, ah, whose plan? I let you have your plan. I told you what my plan was. I love this reference. 
and you've tried to hide in your shame. Where do we try and find rest if not the Lord? We try and find rest in so many things. We try and find escape in so many things that are not the Lord. Verse 3, but by trusting Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And as I'm reading this, guys, I'm not talking about punishment. God's not talking about punishment here. What's he talking about? Consequences. The if-then statement. If you do this, then this. And if you do this, then this. He's talking about consequences. He's talking about that if you'll go this route, it'll be better for you. If you'll put your trust in me, it'll be better for you. If you're going to want to go that way, and I, I see it, and I'm going to start talking about it now. You're going to want to go this way. I want you going this and this. Will you trust me? Will you be my friend? And we can apply that across the board. Well, Lord, she's hot. Lord, I, I really want to date her. You're like, she's, she's not hot on me. That's not what I have for you. He's like, wait, not when I do it. Just keep your eyes on me. Now's the time of growth. Now's the time. I'm totally focusing all the young dudes right now. You guys notice that? Like, like, hey, now's the time of growth. Now's the time of, of growing in me. Let your affections be turned toward me. Trust me. Lean on me when you heal. And I know the desire for your heart. But I'm telling you, chain it. That's not mine. Lord, I just want a group of friends. I just want to belong. I just want to fit in, Lord. Oh, well, yeah, but I, I see you eyeing that group, and that's not, that's not the group. That's not who I have for you. There's passage from the Bible that says, bad company corrupts good character. That's not like Ben Franklin. That's not Yoda. That's not Vince Lombardi. That's like scripture. I don't know how much, I don't know how much of this we'll get to. If I don't, however much I don't get to, will you please go home and just read all of Isaiah 30 and just chew on it, man. Not chew on it like, like fruity pebbles, but like chew on it like a steak, man, like a New York strip that you got to chew. Verse 4, for though his power extends to Zone and his officials have arrived in Hain, all who trust in him will be ashamed. He will not help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. Once again, this is just consequences of that decision. If you choose your plan and not my plan, that's not punishment. Trust me. This is awesome. This message came to me concerning the animals in the Negev. The care of, I mean, it's just, this would be like such a cool movie. I just, all of a sudden, this interesting non sequitur. The caravan moves slowly across the terrible desert to Egypt. Donkeys weighed down with riches and camels loaded with treasure. Now let's visualize that. Donkeys weighed down with riches. Camels loaded with treasure. All to pay for Egypt's protection. They travel through the wilderness, a place of lionesses and lions, a place where vipers and poisonous snakes live. All this all this. You're going to risk danger. You're going to risk harm. Vipers, lionesses, you're going to give wealth. You're going to you're going to put you're going to be all in all this and Egypt will give you nothing in return. God or Egypt's promises are worthless. Therefore, I call her Rahab 
the harmless dragon. This is interesting. I didn't know this. Um, there's uh, ancient literature that talks about Rahab, the name of a mythical uh, sea monster, and, and who sits still. And so if you're wondering, oh, that's weird. So Rahab, the harmless dragon, which reminds me of the Flight of the Concord song, um, Alfie, the racist dragon. Two different dragons, but the Flight of the Concord one is definitely hilarious. Verse 8. Now go down and write these words. Write them in a book. They will stand until the end of time as a witness that these people are stubborn rebels who refuse to pay attention to the Lord's instruction. So wh why this redundancy? Why this redundancy of write it down, hey, write it down in a book, hey, make sure you, you document this. Wh why this redundancy? Because the Lord is saying, I don't want to change my mind on this. In case you forget what I said, right, go ahead and write it down. I'm not changing my mind on this. This is the plan I have for you. Will you trust me? Will you rest? Will you, will you have repentance? Will that you, you were thinking this way about the matter, but now repentance, metanoia. You've changed your mind and you say, Lord, I see what you say about the matter. I agree with you. And your actions follow that change of heart. Verse 10. They tell the seers, stop seeing visions. They tell the prophets, don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. Forget all this gloom. Get off your narrow path. Stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. You know what? People ask me all the time, oh, what are you preaching on right now? I'm like, Jesus. Oh, I mean, I, I know, but like, what's your, like, what's your series? What are you preaching on? I'm like, we preach on Jesus every single week. Jesus was given the name above all names. He was given the place of honor seated at the right hand of the Father where he proclaimed it is finished. We, we preach about Jesus, the only name by which we can be saved. The only name. I'm preaching about Jesus. I don't care what the topic is. We're never going to do a, a series of seven steps to happiness. It'll be one step to happiness. Do what God says. Follow him. Walk with him. All right, we definitely didn't, like, Lord needs a, you know, loosen up or any, anything. Maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me that just wants my will, that just wants my way, that thinks my ways are better, that thinks my ways are smarter, that says it would be too much work to change now, that whatever. Seventy years seems like a long time. Lord, you know the plans that you have for me, but 70 years is a long time. What, what, what else you got? What else you got? Lord, I want a wife now. I want a wife now. I want to be uh, a father now. I want to have my family now. What else you got? What's your plan B? I might be down with your plan B. What's your plan B? I love this. Now, normally, I'm at, normally you know me. I'm almost always in the New Testament. I'm reading the red letter words. I'm reading the words of Jesus. I'm reading, you know, Paul raving about Jesus. We're in Isaiah 30. But when I get to this point that says, stop telling us about your Holy One of Israel. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. E even this, this prophetic word of, of 
hey, tell us what we want to hear. Stop telling us the difficult things and stop telling us about Jesus. That's the lie of the enemy. That's your plan B. Verse 12, this is the reply of the Holy One of Israel. Don't you despise what I tell you and trust instead in oppression and lies. Calamity will come upon you suddenly like a bulging wall that bursts and falls. Once again, if I can pause here, Jesus isn't saying I'm going to make a wall fall down on you. He's saying you're going to be stuffing so much into this and trying to put your hope in this structure that is unstable. When I'm trying to move you on, I'm telling you right now, the result is these, these walls buckling and coming down on you. And we read that and you go, oh, Lord, you're so, you're so mean. It's like this isn't punishment. He's warning us. Maybe we could like cue up like don't worry, be happy or something at the end of the service. Like <laughs> we're gonna, I don't know. In an instant it will collapse and come crashing down. You will be smashed like a piece of pottery, shattered so completely that there won't be a piece big enough to carry coals from a fireplace or a little water from the well. Now just jump on this. This is good. Verse 15, this is this is a little change. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be satisfied. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Love that. Next line, which we would have now. So we just came off a, a week that we called Sabbath Sunday, where that we, any month, where there are five Sundays in that month, that fifth Sunday, we are taking that fifth Sunday off, we are not having service, so that we can have intentional rest, inviting the Lord into our Sabbath, into our rest, with family, with friends, with rest, with intentionality. Not just an opportunity to sleep in, not just an opportunity, you know, to play hooky, that's not what it is, it's intentionality to say, Lord, we're inviting you into this rest. And it's amazing because we trust you because it's in your word. Sabbath is all over your word. The command, it was a Ten Commandment. Jesus talked about it and said that it is made for us. So we just come. We didn't have church last week, and we come to this. And we, we see this scripture where it says, in rest in returning to me in repentance, you will be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, which you would have none of it. You guys, even though it's all over the word of God, we are still so bad at resting. We're still so bad at resting. He said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you're going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. Where's our trust? Where's our hope? Where do we find security? I don't know where the phrase, like, you know, two kitten song comes from. I'm gonna, I need to Google that. It's a weird phrase, right? But when the two kitten fan 
and things go down. When, when I don't care if it's in our country, I don't care if it's in another country, I don't know, I don't care if it's with the economy. When, when it, the tough gets dropped in our kitchen, where is our hope and our confidence? I, I just, I feel strongly that it's in too many different places. our job, it's in our tenure, it's in our strength, it's in our skill, it's in our government, it's in our retirement, it's in our 401k, it's in our family, it's in good things, it's in our, it's in our marriage, it's in our church, whatever. And just let you guys know, if our hope is not in the Lord, we're going to be crushed. like that's a good enough place to end as any because I really want you guys to to dig into this. I'll, I'll read verse 18 because it's under the heading blessings for the Lord's people and it says this, for the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. If we believe scripture, things are going to get worse. There, there's some heavy things that are going to take place in the world. And we might not be a generation to walk those out, or we might. I feel like every generation has felt like they were the generation that, that was going to see the return of the Lord. And, and uh, I, I, that's a, I think that's a really good place to be. I think that's a really good heart set to be at is that we believe we're the generation. Maybe we will be, maybe we won't, but that doesn't change the fact that our eyes and our hope should be set on the Lord. Our strength should be in the Lord. Our walk should be according to His plan and not our own. Man, I, gosh, how many more verses? Isaiah 30 has uh, 32. Great. They're all great. Chew through it, man. You're equipped. Chew through it. And look at the, the if then. Look at the if then. If you do this, then this. But if you do this, then this. I say this all the time, and I love being a broken record on this. Do we want God's will more than our own? Are we desperate for God to be right? I say it all the time. When I talk about people, about like marriage and like fighting, disagreeing or whatever, I use this all the time. That we should all be locked and loaded with this prayer. Lord, um, I don't want to be right. Not at the expense of you being right. Lord, my, my wife doesn't want to be right. Not at the expense of you being right. Lord, we're desperate for you to be right. Lord, we need for you to be right. <coughs> Lord, you know our sin and our, our wickedness. We want to be right because we're, we're stubborn. But Lord, we're desperate for you to be right. We need you to be right. Lord, we yield to you. Would you be right? Thank you. 
phenomenal prayer. Phenomenal prayer where we humble ourselves and invite the Lord to come be right as we just kick pride right in the butt. Whether it's for our marriage or whether it's for this situation or this decision or our plan, that's a good prayer. Lord, I'm desperate for you to be right. I'm desperate for you to be right. And I trust your plan. I'm not a big fan of the 70-year thing, Lord. I'm not a big fan of that, but I trust your plan. Big picture. And that, he was talking to his people. He was talking to his people. He was talking about generations. But it's no different than us. What about when God tells us to do something we don't like? Oh, not a big, not a big fan. Not a big fan. Lord, you're asking me to give this up because it doesn't line up with your word? Oh, I'm not a big fan of that. So here's, here's the tough part in my preparation. If this, if this message isn't taken to heart, then, then this is like a wasted, wasted 30-something minutes. It, I mean, it really, it really was. I, I'll trust the Holy Spirit to kind of bring it about. But if at some level we don't open up our hearts and say, Lord, I, I'm desperate for you to be right. I'm desperate for your plan, and I trust your plan. And if you tell me to stay, I'm going to stay, even though I'm chopping at the bit to go. And if you tell me to stay, I'm fighting every instinct I have to run. Guess what I've always done, Lord? I've ran. Lord, you're telling me to trust you, and I've, I, man, I grew up fighting this. That's how I, but Lord, you're telling me to, to, to rest, so I rest. We can always trust the Lord. This message is for us old people. This message is for young people. This message is for all of us. Let me read the first dollar. Pray, please. Uh, Lord, we ask you to help us just in receiving the entirety of this message. Lord God, I, I only got to part of it. I knew I wouldn't get through this entire chapter, but Lord, Lord, we cling to that, that verse 15 that through, through repentance, through returning, through rest, that we'll experience your salvation, that we'll experience you just wrapping your arms around us and us hiding in the, in the cool of your shade, being enveloped within the confines of your mighty arms, being secure in the abundance of your wealth. So Lord, we just choose to follow you. We choose your plan above our plan. Lord, we just submit it to you. We surrender it to you. Lord, if this is something that you ever want to, to resurrect, Lord God, then we'll trust you in it. But Lord, we're going to wait upon you and we're going to follow you. And we should be making that our prayer. With all eyes closed, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know that doesn't know him. I'm talking about you don't got a relationship with him. I'm not talking religion. I'm talking relationship. Because you've never bowed your heart to him and said, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my future. And I give you the reins. Have your way. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, and at this moment right now, you couldn't be tossed out of trusting your life in Jesus. 
Would you just lock eyes with me, raise your hands, nod, stand, do something to make it abundantly obvious that this is a pivotal moment for you and you are saying yes to Jesus. Not to a man, but to Jesus. Is there anybody? The last thing I just feel led to, to throw out there. You know Jesus, you're saved. But have you been following your will, your plan, within your comfort zone, within your stubborn will, and the Lord's been tugging at you and saying, trust me, follow me, lean on me. But you just had a tough time doing that. I, I just ask the same question. If that is you, and you don't have to respond by, by raising your hands, but you really should respond by responding to the Lord, saying, Lord, I, I will follow you. Would you help me in this? Lord, I will trust you. Would you help me in this? Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Even when, when you're challenging me, you're so stinking good. You're so awesome. Lord, your word is so good. It brings such life. Lord, let us grab a hold of this passage of your word with life. Not, not as a stinking, but as a wonderful bit of preparation that contains warning, but that also just contains hope. Holy Spirit, make this come alive to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah what? What chapter was that? 30. Thank you. Thank you, Isaiah 30. I was reading from the New Living Translation um, if you want to stay there. But I, I encourage you, continue to make this part of your study this week um, and your devotion and really have good dialogue with the Lord. Like read some and then ask, like, Lord, this is really good. And then like talk to him about it and then jump back in when he's done saying what he's going to say. love y'all. I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day, friends. See y'all next week. <laughs>